N-Y-Y-S-T This is New York Yankee Sports Talk Swinging for the fences Knock it out the park This is New York Yankee Sports Talk Christian and Chris Of course SGR This is New York Yankee Sports Talk Call me New York Yankee Sports Talk Record rain and shine Grab your shades and umbrellas N-Y-Y-S-T You're hanging with the fellas Welcome back. This is episode 289 of the NYYST podcast. We are live on NYY News TV. I'm your host, Christian, and as always, joined by my co-host, Chris. You. What's up, bro? What's up, man? I'm low energy today. Yeah, you were you were a little deep in the bag yesterday. I was deep, man. Deep. Deepest deep I've been bag. in a long time. Uh-huh. He was deep in the bag? Deep in the bag. I was the deepest I've been in a long time. Still hurting. Bags deep. The bag's deep. Bag is deep. I filled the bag, and the days of back-to-back drinking for me are done because I couldn't even think about cracking a beer today. Yeah, it was weird because I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I was grilling steaks for dinner, and I was like, oh, I feel like having. Sometimes when I'm on grill, I'll just have like a beer. Yeah, it's I'm like a man thing. And, like, and then I was, I was in the refrigerator looking, and I was like. I don't really want to do this today. Yeah, no, I can't. Man, we were fucked up. We were fucked up. Yeah. You were pretty fucked up. You were pretty drunk up, at Jules, the end. Okay. Jules, I was drunk, okay? Um, Before we go any further, because I, I truly tried to do the, the show last week, but they pretty much, the second you guys heard my voice, you were like, no, it just can't happen. Um, I know you guys talked at length about our event, uh-huh, but I didn't did. get a chance to uh, to say what I really wanted to say, and that is the game sucked, the heat sucked, but the whole day in total was absolutely unbelievable. We've done a lot of pretty awesome stuff on this show. We've interviewed John Sterling. We've had on uh, World Series champion Lance McCullers Jr. We've done a lot of shit. But I think we got a taste of our first truly humbling experience. And that was showing up and, and, and being with people who have been listening to us or just support the network in general. And one person. I don't mean to cut you off, but if uh, anybody in the chat, if you're getting audio issues, please let us know because I'm getting, I'm getting my sources are telling me we'll get, we Your have sources. audio issues. My sources. So if, if anybody. Yeah, no sound. On- no sound, I'm saying. Let's just, uh, maybe we'll get some clarification here. Pete might have had us muted. I think, Hirsch, can you hear us, buddy? I see you on the chat there. I just want to make sure. He he must be able to hear us because he's, uh, he was talking. But anyway, uh, okay, everything's good now. Um. Hirsch was there, one a good listener, Medina. It was awesome meeting you guys, but one person I got to uh I got a shout out in particular. And that's my boy, Roberto Ruiz, aka Don Sicario. This motherfucker got on a plane and flew up from Florida to make the event. I don't even know if I attend a fucking funeral. My grandmother's funeral if she lived in Florida and get on a fucking plane. I'd be hesitant. 
this dude gets on a plane for for a podcast event because my man supports MIYST, supports the network. And, dude, I can't thank you enough. Can't thank all of you guys enough because it was absolutely unbelievable thanks to you guys. And like Pete said last week, we'll be doing doing a shit ton more hopefully in the future. So if you weren't able to make it, hopefully you can make it to the next one. Okay. 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 So Chris and I, uh, we actually had the unfortunate situation yesterday where we had to spend time together. Yeah. Drunk. You're drunk though. Yeah. So uh, I found out some stuff about Chris that I can't divulge because apparently his wife's family listens to the show. Okay. So I'm not allowed to say it. And I'm still on a, on a grace period with your wife where I'm not allowed to talk shit about her because she's going to do the, the 5k with me in November. Is it so, bad? Is it good or bad? Well, you know, I mean, I don't remember, dude, I don't, I had to ask oh, my kids. Well, I had to ask my kids to fill in pieces for me. Okay, like my well, son, uh, what did he say the other day? Oh, he had a scratch on his face and I noticed it today. And I was like, where'd you get that scratch? He's like, daddy, I told you last night you asked me three times. I said, son, you got to tell me again because I don't remember. Okay. Okay. So can't divulge that information this week, maybe next week. Was it good? Was it bad? Uh, I don't know, dude. It's kind of weird. Okay. I, I got to uh, I gotta get filled in. I mean, yeah, well, so that's an interesting word choice there. Okay. I'll get filled so. in. <laughs> I don't know what she told you, but I got to confirm or deny. Okay. So, um. You know, it's 4th of July, okay? So, uh, no game today, which is kind of weird. I mean, 28 out of 30 teams did end up playing today, I believe, and uh, the Yankees and Phillies were the two teams that were off, if I'm not mistaken. The Yankees were definitely off. This is the second major summer holiday that they've had that uh, they didn't play. So, you know, it is what it is. They, they completed the uh, weekend going uh, two out of three. Uh, against the Cleveland Guardians. Okay, I can't say Indians. It's Guardians. Okay, Paul O'Neill. Uh, I didn't. We didn't watch the game yesterday. We were we were at your uh, your barbecue. Uh, you know, great. Honestly, I bust balls a lot, but it was good. Finally, getting. It's been a long time since we were able to get down there since you moved with COVID, and then we were on vacation last year. So it was good to finally see your new dwellings uh, and see your in laws, which I haven't seen them in a while. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so mm. we weren't really, Got we it. weren't really, we weren't really paying attention to the game, but we saw that the Yankees were rallying in the ninth. They got the bases loaded with two outs and then Aaron Hicks stepped up to the plate and then we just went back in the backyard. So that's how that went. Uh, but they did win. They got rained out Friday. They won, uh, swept the doubleheader on Saturday. Uh, Garrett Cole, I want to, I don't really want to get too deep into these games because it's not really what this season is about anymore. Uh, the, the two things that we're really going to touch on tonight uh, are Fred's projections. I think today's a good day to kind of look at them and see where we're at and see if we're trending in the right direction with our with our predictions and kind of touch on guys that could be on the move on the Yankee side of things, like who should the Yankees move, who should they hold on to, what guys make sense in certain types of deals. So those are things that we can, uh, we can look at today. But I, I would... I do want to say this about Garrett Cole. When he gives up back-to-back home runs in uh, the second inning of the first game, and even me, I'm, you know, self-professed Garrett Cole apologist, 
sits there and says, are we really going to do this again? And he didn't. I mean, and that was something that you, I liked out of him is that he gave up the two home runs. He settled in after that, and the Yankees immediately gave him the lead. Now, what he didn't do in Minnesota when he had that terrible game is the Yankees tied. I don't think they took ended up taking the lead at that point, but they tied the game, and then they gave up the runs back. He shut it down at that point, yeah. and that's something that we need to we need to see him do in in certain spots when he's not pitching his best. You give up a couple of runs, and then you shut it down from there, which is a problem that we had also in that game against Baltimore when he gave up five runs. You know, he gave up that he had that bad inning, gave up four runs. The Yankees ended up tying the game, and then he gives up the fifth run. So you know, if you're gonna be you know, you're not going to be at the top of your game at any given point or, you know, once a team gives you the lead as the ace, even if you look, nobody wants to see Garrett Cole give up six runs, but even if he does and the Yankees go out there and score seven at that point, you don't give up any more runs, which is, which is what he didn't do at that point. Then he settled in. My big problem with him right now is he's not throwing enough strikes. Or maybe he's not. Maybe he's not throwing enough good strikes. I guess is the better term because guys are fouling off too many pitches on him, and he's not getting past the sixth inning. He's not getting in. You know what you want to see out of him? Yeah, his line looks good. He struck out however many he struck out. Two runs, six innings. It's it's good, but you're still waiting for that eight inning performance. You know that complete game out of him where he's doing that consistently, and he's just not able to. You see how many times he's up in the count? Oh two one two. And he's not putting guys away. So you were, uh, you're not going to remember this. Yes, I remember it. I remember you, it very clearly. You remember what you were speaking on yes. just yesterday. So you tell, you tell the fans what you were telling me yesterday I, about why even up, even in an advantageous count with his fastball still being a hundred and locating it pretty well, that he's not able to put guys away quickly enough. Yeah. So, so there's two different types of pitchers. There's, there's the one, that's more rare, obviously, and that's a guy who bases everything off his fastballs. We're talking Araldis Chapman back in the day. Now he kind of relies a little more on that off-speed stuff. Um, that that's assuming that he even knows how to throw a strike anymore, which uh, clearly he doesn't. Um, guys like you could even throw uh, Mariano Rivera in there, really, because he threw one pitch. He threw a cutter, threw a cut fastball. Um. You know, some guys have a fastball that is that either moves enough or is fast enough that that's their out pitch. And for Garrett Cole, it's not a fastball is not what he what his nastiest stuff is. His fastball is nothing. I don't care if he's throwing it 99 or 100. His fastball is nothing if he doesn't have nasty stuff that's that's keeping the hitters off balance and making them go out of the zone. So when Garrett Cole's filthy. That slider, he can throw it either pin. He could either paint the pl- uh, corner of the plate, or he uses it to get the the hitters off the plate completely. And so then, when he comes in with a fastball and maybe an off speed count, the, they don't even know what the fuck's coming because he paints it so perfectly. And he can still do that, but if he doesn't have the same bite on on his off speed stuff, that fastball is not going to be the same pitch that we normally see it as. So. He's throwing it more now as a get-me-over pitch, and not in a sense of down-the-plate meatballs, but he's relying on it too much to get ahead in the count, and it's forcing us to see 
him go deeper into at bats and then him throwing it and the pitch and the batters know it's coming. And when he doesn't have that same bite on his, on his slider, they can lay off it a little more or stay in the zone and just wait to foul off that fastball. So it's not putting guys away. It's not making them look silly. It, that's not to say he hasn't done that all year. Cause we've seen plenty of times where Garrett Cole striking guys out on that hundred mile per hour fastball, but it's just not happening as often as, as we're used to, I'd say. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know what adjustments he needs to make, but he's got, for me, he's, he needs to get hitters out quicker and get deeper into games. I mean, that's like the one thing that he's not been able to accomplish at a regular clip this year. What he needs to start doing, he needs to start working on on that slider or, or you know, whatever he's throwing. You think that's why he's tried to throw the cutter this year? Well, yeah, the pro- yes, absolutely. The problem is that he needs to get that slider good enough again where it looks like a strike 90% of the time and then just drops out. And if hitters, when Garakul's on, that pitch is the best setup pitch for a fastball painting the corner, right? But when he's not on, when he's laboring a little bit, You'll see that slider too far off the plate where batters don't chase after it. And then he's forced to go to that fastball where they know it's coming and they continue to work. They continue to, to chip away at it and he has to labor a little bit. It doesn't mean necessarily that every time that happens, he gets beat because he's still a great pitcher, but he's got to start relying more on his off speed pitch, uh, off speed stuff in fastball counts. He has to get more confidence in back in that. You know, this is a big. His next start's going to be a big one because he's going to come at Fenway Park. I think that's one of the remaining hurdles that a lot of fans want to see from him is how he pitches on the road in a place like Fenway Park. Now, if he gets lit up, it's not going to really mean a lot in the long term of this regular season, but it's still going to keep that doubt in people's minds of people that want to doubt him and say that he's not a big game pitcher. So, I mean, you can look at the schedule coming up. The, ne- the rest of this week, they're going to play two in Pittsburgh, and then they're playing four in Boston. I mean, the, with the Yankees, the, the Red Sox are 13 games out of first place right now. They're the second-place team, and they're 13 games out. Uh, so the Yankees' job this week is to keep the Red Sox exactly where they are. If they don't gain, if they don't gain any games on Boston, that's fine, and because that's basically what you're trying to do at this point right now. We're 80 games in the season. We're halfway through the schedule, basically. And you're just ticking off days until uh, October now. Because with a 13-game lead, that's what you're doing. You're trying to get guys healthy. You're trying to get guys in the best positions that they need to be in to, to perform for you in October. Because we talked about this yesterday. How nice is it that we can be at a barbecue and, and, and not even really care what the yeah. Yankees are doing because that's really if win or lose yesterday, it, it it doesn't mean anything really in terms of this regular season. It doesn't. Yeah. Which is, I mean, if you look at last year, somebody posted this Yankees are, uh, what are, uh, I can't think of it right now. What are they? 56 and 22 or 50. Uh, I can't think. What are they right now? 57 and 22. I think they're 58 and 22, 58 and 22 right now. Okay. They're 13 games in first place. 36 year, games over 500. Last year, they were on this date, on July 4th of last year, they were one game over over 500. They they had just won a f- couple games, I feel like. I feel like going into 4th of July, they were under 500. So they were they were one game over on 4th of July last year with uh, a 10-game deficit and in fourth place. Jesus Christ. 
So they had to they had to really play well to to earn that second wild card last year, and uh, they almost missed out on, on it on, on one game because uh, you remember Toronto was only a game behind them. Sure. So, I mean, really, if you think about it, it's been a remarkable turnaround for this team this year, right? So, no, I I don't care what anybody says. No one had them being this good. It, it's impossible to think that this team is going to be 36 games over 500 on July 4th. It's just impossible. So, I mean, what, so that's why, you know, we're, we'll bring things up like Garrett Cole's performance and things how, you know, why he's not putting away hitters fastballs. But to sit there and break down the minutia of a, of, of a series against Cleveland where, let's be honest, the Yankees didn't win on Sunday because they didn't care to win on Sunday. They didn't care if they won or lost on Sunday. Yeah. That was a com- that was a completely that you know what that was yesterday. That was we haven't had a real off day in three weeks. We're off tomorrow. We already took the series. Whatever happens, happens. Lineup, and that's how they performed. They they were being one hit, no hit into the seventh inning yesterday again. So I mean, and they still know. and they still threatened to to do something. Yeah, I mean, if you would, I mean, if you weren't looking at a Hicks there, if you were maybe looking at a better hitter in that spot, you know, maybe the Yankees come through with something. But it is what it is. Like you said, you're not gonna let you're not gonna let your day get ruined because they lost that game because they're still up 13 games in the division. Now, I'm not saying that you know, on uh, barring a total collapse, exactly. That's what it is. Barring a total collapse, this team is gonna be the top seed in the, in the American League. So right now, with half the season gone. You have to look at where they can get better, where they can improve, you know, because that's what it all comes down to. Now, I want to save that for the end of the show because I want to have a little bit of fun kind of right now. Yeah, and real quick, before we get into it, I just want, because you touched on the whole, like, Cole has to be good in Boston, right? And it, it made me think of something that this team is so good. Like you, Like you just said, we didn't even have to really stress about the game I mean, I'm someone who, and obviously you are too, Some two people who watch every pitch of every game. But it was nice to not have to worry about it during a barbecue because if they were two games up or two games out of the division, we would have been watching every single pitch. That being said, there's two things that this team, as good as they are, as good as they've been, still need to prove to themselves and to this fan base. The first thing is that they can beat the Astros because I'm not sold on that, obviously. And the second thing is that Garrett Cole can dominate Boston. And we're still waiting. We're the, you know, we're still waiting to see if he can do so. And and, and this is the first true test. I think this game means a lot. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on him put on by himself to do it and he's got to perform i think it's it's critical that garrett goes out there and proves this to himself that he can do it and it's going to obviously be huge to this team look i don't know if li yankee kings in the chat or not dude i love you man honestly but i can't read this fucking thread of tread a thread of trades that you just sent me i I don't know who god bless you dude i could (laughs) have I can't. I can't, man. I'm sorry. Thank you for coming to the event, bro. You're a huge supporter of the show and the network, but I can't. I can't do it. I don't even know how you have the time to think of shit like that. 
I can't. I, my brain can't even function enough. No, it can't. It cannot function. We'll get into the trades uh, a little bit later. But everybody that, that's a regular listener of the show knows that one. I, it wasn't the last episode before the season started. Well, one of the. It's one of our final episodes before the season starts. We always go on baseball reference and we look at what Fred's projections are. Well, who's Fred? Fred's the algorithm on baseball reference that comes up with projected stats for the players throughout the course of the year. So we like to named by us, by the way, it's not, they don't promote it as Fred. No, no, no. Fred is our thing. Okay. Just like, you know, the Italian stallion is our thing. And, uh, Maddie mustache is our thing that people are now using on Yankee broadcast. And that's cool, dude. But, you know, drop my at, drop at NYY News TV's at on your Twitter. Just say, yo, I heard this here. That's it, dude. That's all we're asking. I'm not saying you can't use it, but just, you know, say where you fucking heard it, all right? (laughs) There was another one that I was telling Pete about. I can't even think of what it is now. But anyway, so... We look at Fred's projections. We usually take, you know, top 20 players or whatever we think are going to be the biggest contributors to the team and take one stat from them and do an over-under on it, right? So we'll go through it. I'll give you what the over-under is, what their current is, and then I'll give you the opportunity to change your mind on whether you want to keep keep it, okay? Okay. All right. So we're going to start with a role as Chapman. Now, before we get into a role as Chapman, what the over-under is, what he did on Saturday was a fucking disgrace, okay? There's too many comes people in, giving him a giving him a break here. Comes in off the I.L., first appearance, walks the first three, the only three guys, and thank God Aaron Boone had the sense to get him out of the game. I know it was it was 10 to 2 at that time, and my cousin's texting me freaking out. He's going to blow the game. He's going to blow the game. He's not going to blow an eight-run lead. Aaron Boone's not going to let him blow a fucking eight-run lead. It's just, and, and he ended up giving up. Uh, Marinaccio came two in. Two runs. He ended up two inherited runners, but he you know, he shut it down. The Yankees scored another couple of runs and put the game away. Uh, they ended up winning 13-4. to Marinaccio, who's been on a real dominant streak to himself, is on the I.L. A little, little shoulder issue. Boone called it dead arm. I don't think it's going to really be that big of a deal. But, uh, you know... Oh, you know, and and if and I was on uh, the Cleveland Guardians uh, pregame show for game. I was on Friday. They got rained down. Then I was on again Saturday for game two. And I was telling Munch, who's the host, great guy, love him to death, you know, huge supporter of us for allowing me to do that, that stuff, you know. Um, I was telling him, like, Sandy Leone, who just got called up, who wasn't a great hitter in when he was the Red Sox catcher, you know, his, Chapman's line would have looked even worse. He got gifted two strikes against mm-hmm. Sandy Leone. So you can't, I'm not giving a role as Chapman any pass for what he did on Saturday because that's not the first time, but the second time this year, he came into a game and walked all three batters that he faced without recording it out. We remember that game against, it was Toronto, right? When Michael King had to come in and save him. Yeah, he got lucky. King came in and and I believe King at that point was kind of starting to go into his phase where he was giving up some runs. Maybe got, not. I, I, the Yankees got lucky in that situation. If I'm not mistaken, somebody r- rope one off of King yeah. and they would turn into a double play. Yeah. But, you know, King had to come in and, and, and shut the door. He was trying to close the game against Toronto, walks all three guys he faces. So don't tell me this was rust or this was just him. No, he's done this already. You know, and people... You know, come at me on social media. It was like, 
oh, how could you say you don't want Chapman back? That's why. How many more times do we need to see this? Do you want, like, honestly, Chris, we could we could be watching an historic season here where the Yankees win 110, 115 games here. You want you want to go home in game five of the ALDS because he fucking hangs the slider to somebody? No, no, no. Not only do I not want that, but it can't happen. I can't have that happen anymore. And the thing with Chapman is if he came in and, you know, he got he got knocked around a little bit, gave up a few runs, maybe a, a big home run or something, that's one thing, right? You can attribute that maybe to to not pitching in however long and needing to shake the cobwebs off a little bit and get back into it. But when Not you when come in, darting fastballs, let really. me ask you a question. When he when he departed and went to the IL, was he uh, his last appearance? Was he throwing a lot of strikes? No, I don't. I don't believe. So. I believe that he couldn't even find the fucking plate. Right. So when you do that, and then you come back and can't even throw a strike to three batters. Boone said he's healthy. I'm not attributing that to your injury, to your recovery to anything but the fact that you are a fucking look he is the he is just like the epitome of chaos right like when you think of the <laughs> most fucking that is a great description it, like when you think of like your life when it just feels the most chaotic that it could possibly be that's a Raldis Chapman when he can't find the plate and it is so difficult to watch it, it's it's unbearable, and we can't have a guy. I don't. I said this a few weeks ago. I don't care what he's getting paid to do, right? The money that you that you earned in your contract was for what you did up until this point. If you can no longer do that effectively, I don't care what your paycheck is. You shouldn't be doing it anymore. And this guy cannot be in high leverage innings in, for this baseball team as good as they are. Until he proves otherwise, and even at that point, I don't know if I'd risk it. Right, I I agree completely, man. He can Boone has to put him in the softest spots possible until he proves he can throw strikes, and then even still, once you feel not that I not me personally would ever feel comfortable, but once they feel comfortable enough that he can throw strikes, he still is not the closer on this team. If the Yankees blow a big a blow a big game in the postseason. I want to honestly. It ha, it can't be because the role is Chapman was trying to close the game in a ninth inning. It just can't happen. I'll live or die with Clay Holmes. No, I'm, because I'm it, on, because again, it's not like Clay Holmes is our closer by default. It's not like Clay Holmes is just the closer because just simply because Chapman got injured, he fucking stepped in and and had not only done a great job for the Yankees. He's arguably the best relief pitcher in baseball right now. Certainly acted like it. So. So you, there's no argument here. There's this isn't even up for debate. If you're if you're asking me logically, it's it cannot happen. Clay Holmes is our closer, not by default. He's our closer because he's fucking dominant, and the Yankees need him there. All right. So for Chapman, the uh, the over under was 16 saves. You took the over on that. He currently has nine. Do you want to change your vote? <sighs> I'll I have to take the under because I don't I have to have faith that this team as good as they are and as much as they've been blowing teams out um even Clay Holmes himself isn't going to get a lot of op- a lot more opportunities to have to to record a save so 
in those moments where games are close late in the game, it better be going to home, uh, Clay Holmes, and maybe here, here and there when he's been used back-to-back days or something, Chapman will get that the nod. But I'd have to say it's going to be so few and far between. I'm going to stay under. I'm going to go with under. Yeah, I took the over as well. I'm going to change my vote to the under. It's, I mean, it's seven throughout the next 82 games, but he shouldn't be in seven save opportunities. He should not be in seven save situations. Now, maybe three at best. All right, so Garrett Cole's next on the list. The over-under was 3-3-4 on the ERA. You took the under. It's currently at 2-9-9 for the season. I'll say, I said it then. I'll say it again. It better be under. Yeah, I'm um, in agreement there. I think it's I think it's high now for what we need from him. So I'm going to stay under. I'm going to stay optimistic. Yeah, I mean, he's pushing. That. I mean, I don't want to see his front number be a three. It's got to be a two. It's gotta a 2 nine, a two. Nine right now. Uh, and I, I took the under. I'm going to stay under. Josh Donaldson, uh, the over-under was 63 runs batted in. You took the under. You might be the smart one here. Yeah, I remember saying as much as I wanted him to to come through and be the guy that we thought he could be. I didn't see the Josh Donaldson experiment panning out. Um, I really, it's so tough to complain about players other than Gallo at this point, Um, especially because his team just keeps winning, but I'll stay under that. And I don't think Donaldson turns it on. I think, I think he started to before he got hurt. And I don't know if that flame's going to ignite again. Uh, I took the over. I'm going to, Change my vote to under here, under 62. What's he at now, do you know? 23. Yeah, no. He, I mean, I he's mean, got to go on a pretty 20, long tear. He's got 23 and half a season. Could he get 40 in 82 games? Yeah, I mean, he could, but I just don't see it I, because I'm watching him at the plate. Dude, he's swinging like a fucking drunk guy at, at, these, at these breaking pitches where he's winding up on his knees. Well, he's not only does he have to get – have to go on a hot streak – of just making good contact, his power numbers have to come back and that will possibly ignite him over. I don't know if you guys hear the fucking fireworks. They're nonstop in my yeah, neighborhood. I hear, him, I hear him over here in my neighborhood too. So uh, speaking of Joey Gallo, who's up next, um, I want to I want to actually shout out my wife here. I want to say something nice. Wow. My wife and her friend Dana, uh, they ran the, the uh, street fair in my town today. Okay. The uh, promotional company that used to do it didn't want to do it, and they were like, "Do you want to do this?" So they did. They did a phenomenal job. Okay, hey, great they job. They had this Lindsay. guy. Okay, they had this guy there who sells uh, wood. Uh, the know, wood, wood signs. signs, yeah, wood signs, sports memorabilia, baseball cards, and shit. I got this really nice black and. He does white a great. Derek, he does some great work. This black and white Derek Jeter picture of him uh going onto the field i just gotta find and this i i'm actually thinking about just pulling everything off the fucking walls in this room and just starting over again because there's just so much shit here dude but anyway so you know you go to these 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 flea markets street fairs and you know you can get a pack of 30 cards for a buck Mm. they're not worth anything but usually like they'll put a hometown player on the front. So you buy it. Like I do it. Like if it's like, if it's like I bought, uh, I went to a street fair in for Memorial day and they had like a Thurman Munson, a Garrett Cole and mm-hmm. somebody else on top. And I was like, I know these cars aren't worth anything, but you know, there are three Yankees for, I would pay a dollar each just for these three Yankee cards, you know? Right. So today I go there, all the, the Yankee cards are, you know, you look at them, the, the one Yankee pack that he had, you know who the fucking player was? Joey Gallo. 
Joey Gallo. Like, who the fuck is picking this up and going, yeah, this is worth the dollar? He should. Was he paying you the dollar or you had to pay the I dollar? I felt like saying to him, I was like, listen, bro, are you paying me to take this? Because no one's going to look at this and say, Joey Gallo, that's worth the dollar. No. No. He's not even worth a fucking nickel at this point. Okay, so Joey Gallo, the over-under was 340 on the on-base. Uh, you took the over. It's currently at 277. You What's, what, is, what was the over-under? <laughs> 340. And it's 270? It's 277. Well, look, to, to be fair here, Joey Gallo's one... When Joey Gallo just exists in the slightest bit, his on-base percentage is usually, you know... A good, a good amount higher than his batting average. Okay, it's usually at least a hundred points better yeah, than he it. was projected to hit like two hundred two. So this is like one hundred and forty points difference, which is which is where he normally is, and that's one upside of Joey Gallo. Again, when he is somewhat of a sentient human being, this year, do we? Do you think that we have a different universes, Joey Gallo? Okay, because I, I just really lost- do. Because I, I know you're not into this shit, but I watched the new Doctor Strange movie today, and it's about, like, different universes and Parallel shit, and universes like, and stuff. Right? So I'm thinking, like, I know Joey Gallo is never a great baseball player, but, like, do we... Or is it or is it a situation, like, with Space Jam and, like, the Monstars stole whatever stole the, talent, stole the fucking talent juju, that this yeah. guy has? Well, here's my thing with Joey Gallo. I, I One of my weaknesses with, you know, doing this show is that I don't follow... I'm so focused on the Yankees. I don't follow around the league as much as I probably should. And when I heard the name Joey Gallo, it's, you know, before he became a Yankee, he was always someone who people talked about as a guy who can be deadly at the plate. And so when I thought Joey Gallo, when I heard Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo were coming, because so many people had had hyped him up, I was like, this dude's got to be a great pickup. Right, he's he's a lefty, and the dude hits bombs. And you look at his numbers. I mean, what did he have last year? Thirty six home runs or so. I mean, the guy's decent. You can't sit here and say like he was never a good baseball player. He's, he's what, pretty he's, fucking he's, good, man. He's what you call three true outcome guy, where he's all he does is walk, strike out, or hit home runs. But who needs anything more on in this lineup with a lefty bat? Who needs more than that right now? When you have Judge Stanton. No, right. I, that's why I didn't have this guy's he, not even. He doesn't even exist. Coming, coming here, he was a 900 uh, OPS guy with uh, with Gold Glove defense, and I'm, you know, at Yankee Stadium being a left-handed hitter. To me, it, it I, you know, you, sometimes you just got to raise your hand, and take an L on something, and you know, I wanted the guy based on what I knew about him, and obviously, it it hasn't worked out here, but. Uh, Dude, Let me ask you a come. question. How many weeks did he go without a hit? Did he go almost uh, a whole month? No, he went from June 17th to this weekend without a hit. Okay, so I tweeted. I don't know if you saw this. But Miggy, Miggy had a base hit. I think he had an RBI or so. He did in the game one of the, the, uh, um, the doubleheader. And I just simply tweeted. It was mostly a joke, but it wasn't. It was like one of those jokes that's kind of pretty much true, and that's what's, that's why it's funny. I simply tweeted, Miggy has more hits in one at-bat than Joey Gallo has in, like, four weeks. Okay, so you stole my tweet. Okay. I, don't, I, don't, 
I don't even read Twitter anymore. It pisses me off so much. Uh And then someone immediately replies, people like you are the problem with this fan base. Why? What is so wrong about my statement? I'm fighting for a guy, first of all, who should be here a hundred times over than the guy I'm than the guy I'm dissing. And I'm simply pretty much stating a fact. But I'm the problem. I just replied, LOL. Okay. My uh my tweet was um something similar. It was uh Miguel Andujar has more hits and runs batted in today than Joey Gallo has since June 17th. And somebody says, you're trying to make it seem like Miguel Andujar is better than Joey Gallo. Uh, oh, no, all, he is. All, I, I literally just tweeted a fact. That was all that I did. And if you don't think that Joey Gallo is a problem, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. So uh, you're going you're gonna to take the under now, right? You're going under the 340? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean. I don't know. If, I don't know that Joey Gallo will be here much longer. Yeah, uh, I'll take. I have to change my mind as well. Take the under there. Uh, so Aaron Hicks uh, looks like we're we're going to be wrong on this one. Uh, he's played sixty nine games so far this year, and uh, his over under was eighty. We both took the under. Uh, I I gotta say I, we're gonna take the over now. I mean, I guess right. I guess so. And I said this to you yesterday. Um, the thing I hate most about Joey Gallo is not that he doesn't exist and can't even come close to hitting a baseball. It's that he's made me not, he's made me feel like Aaron Hicks isn't a problem anymore. Like I know Aaron Hicks hasn't been as much of a problem as, as he was. And I'm happy about that. And I actually love that Aaron Hicks shuts me up when I, when I doubt every time he gets up to the plate. But Joey Gallo has been so bad that when you compare him to Aaron Hicks, it's not even close anymore. No, dude, it's like Mickey Mantle to a guy that you found. It's not even close. Sitting behind a fucking empty keg outside yeah. of the stadium. And it makes me want to vomit. All right. So good for Hicks, man. I mean, he's at least he's staying healthy, which I, which is part of the problem with him. But he's just not been producing to the level that – uh, he thinks that he can. He's just, he's not going to be a 30-30 guy, but he's shown a pulse, which is much more than you can say about Joey Gallo. So Kyle Higashioka, 13 home runs. He currently has four. You took the over on that one. Yeah. Uh, man, one of those don't even count. It was off a position player, if right. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So um, tech- <laughs> I got to say, I- I'm so glad – I'm, I'll be so glad to be wrong about this. Um, I'm so glad that I was wrong about this because I think the reason why he's not going to get there is because the Yankees found a guy in Jose Trevino that has earned a spot and has made a difference on this team that I don't think Higashioka is going to even have the opportunity to hit that many. Um, so I got to go. I got to go under and I and. and if that happens, if it stays under, that means Trevino has continued to be um, a big piece to this to this lineup. So, yeah, I'm gonna. I took the over, but I'm gonna. I got to change my mind to the under here. That's nine home runs in 82 games. I don't. Could he do it? Yeah, sure, he could do it. He. We've seen Higgy get on these hot streaks where he does hit like five or six home runs in a week, but I don't think he, a he's gonna get the playing time nope. to do it. 
Uh, and B, I don't know how much longer he might even be on the team because if the Yankees can honestly, if the Yankees can swing a deal for a starting catcher, and this is no disrespect to Jose Trevino, they should do it. I don't know if they will, but they should. I don't think that's going to be a priority, to be honest. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it is. But I just don't think he'll get the. He st- I still don't think he'll get the playing time. He won't. To, 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 to do it. Uh, I mean, this is a no brainer. We all took the over on this. Uh, Aaron judges over under was 30 home runs. It's like 29. <laughs> so we could have, we could have had that solved if he, if he yeah. got hot this last series. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's actually been pretty cold lately. He has uh, been. He, that's the good thing about judge though, is that he's gone from hitting like three fifteen to what is he hitting? Like two eighty something right now. Pretty quickly it, too. And his OPS is under a thousand now, which it, I mean, you're not going to sit there and be like this guy sucks, but you know, to be the elite of the elite, you need that OPS over a thousand, which he'll get back there. But that's the good thing about him is that through this slump, he's still showing up in big spots. He, yeah, because really, you can argue that his two uh, big home runs against Houston that was that was in the midst of a of a slump. Yeah, no, it definitely was. He that's just, pretty much all I he mean, did in that he, series. He got, a, he got a hold of a couple, and that's the scary part of Aaron Judge. Even when he's at his worst, he's still one of the most deadly hitters in the game. Right. So, I mean, that, so imagine what the fan base might be feeling about this guy if he didn't hit two walk-offs against uh, Houston in that series. I'm just saying, you know, you know how fans mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can, can be here. Mm-hmm. DJ LeMayu, uh, the over-under was 285 on the batting average. We took the over, uh, you and I, and he's at 262 right now. I got to say, I'm going to have to change my mind on that. He's going to hit under 285 this year. Yeah, I'm going to take the over still. I he's think going to take yeah because I know he's going to have to go on an epic run to hit that. Now. Yeah, and I think he's going to, and I think we're starting to see it. I think uh, DJ LeMayu really found something that he's been missing the last year, year or so. His bulge. His bulge. And uh, I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay with the over on DJ. I think uh-huh, he's gonna go on uh-huh. a fucking tear in the uh-huh. second half of the season. I'd like to see him hit like at least in the two seventies. No, no, you can't lower the bar. He should be in, in over three hundred no, for I for what they you. need. He should be over, but. Yeah, he, he can't, can't end in the 260s or lower. Not again, because last year, and I, talk, I think Pete and I talked about this last week, you know, we gave him the excuse that he was hurt. Well, what's his, his excuse this year? And it can't just be that he, as people like, he was a juice ball merchant. No, I don't believe that because I watch him. And I, why is he hitting more ground balls than he did in 2019 and 2020? Don't tell me it was fucking juice balls because it's not. Yeah, no, he's putting the ball on the ground way too much. He hasn't hit, he hasn't hit him hard enough. To, to see them get through. So he's, he's, I think he really has found something in the last few games. All right. So Jonathan Lewisica, who I, I don't know, is he on the side of a milk carton? Did somebody put out an APP for this guy yet? He's waiting for Joey Gallo for poker night. I know he, he's been hurt. And then I believe he had a family issue in, uh, he's from Nicaragua, I believe. And he had to go back there for a while, but now he's back. He's still hurt. Uh, the over-under was 344 on the ERA. We both took the under because we thought he was going to be what Clay Holmes is this year. And his ERA is currently a 702. I'm, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm going to assume that you're going to change your mind on that one. Uh, maybe. Because that's a very inflated ERA. He hasn't really had many innings. So if he can come back healthy in the second half, remember, we still have 81. Uh, I mean, what are they at now? How many games, games did we say? 
They played 80 games. So we still have 82 games left in this season. If he can come back for the last 60, 70 games, do we have even have an update on him? No, uh, he might have been throwing. I don't really know, to be honest with you. I mean, all it's going to take is a is a you know five six appearances of dominant stuff for that ERA to to come down dramatically. Yeah, I don't trust him. I I'll st- about him. Now. I'll stay. Uh, I'm going to go. I'll switch though. I think it's safer to just take the over. You're gonna switch. Yeah, I'm gonna me switch too. I something about him now. I've I just don't feel the same thing I feel about him that no. I did coming into the season. No. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, the over under was 150 innings pitched through half the season. He's thrown 90.1. We both took the over. I like staying with the over on that one. You barring have to. Injury, barring injury, he's gonna throw over 150 innings. You have to, and he's been great. Uh, this one we don't even have to talk about because Anthony Rizzo's over under was twenty one home runs. We both took the over. And he's got twenty. He's got twenty two already. Wild. I, I mean, what he's done. I know. I know the bat hasn't been there as much as maybe we'd we'd liked. You know, average wise. But this dude, man. Uh, again, just like with jo- in Joey Gallo's case, I don't need you to get up there and hit three fifty. Just fucking. If you're gonna give me twenty two home runs halfway through the season. In a lineup stacked like like this, fuck man, I I can't believe it. To be honest, he's been phenomenal. And uh, the most, and I know this has nothing to do with his over under on home runs. The, the most, the most important thing that Anthony Rizzo does is he makes that infield better, unbelievably better. And everyone, I know we joke all the time that anyone can just play first. Like that just seems to be the the consensus that you could just fucking stick anyone over there. Do you see the difference when you have an elite defensive first baseman over there? I mean, it makes your entire infield look better. I want the chat to chime in on this. I really do. I want, I want people to react to this. If Luke Voigt was still the Yankees first baseman, the Yankees did not sign and re-sign Anthony Rizzo. That's a 10-game swing in their record this year. 10 games at least. That's my. That's what I'm saying. Minimum. Minimum. You agree with that? It's not even, it's not debatable, I don't think. I don't even think you can You can fight for one way or another. I know he's not a 10-war player, which is basically what I, I, you're saying that he is by saying that, but if Luke Voigt is the first baseman and Anthony Rizzo's not here, that's a 10-game difference in, in their record this year, in my opinion, at, at the very least. It's so much more than just one player, though. So you don't even have to look at war. Just think about how the dynamic of this lineup, first of all, it, and having Luke Voigt and having him, you know, just be on his, when he gets like Joey Gallo and can't hit, and then in addition to that, you're just having a subpar first baseman out there. No, uh, my my... It was 95% my statement was based on his defense. Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. But I'm saying it's just more than than one player replacing that. It's It just changes the entire dynamic of the team offensively and defensively. All right. So next up is Seve. You took the under on the uh, on the 3860 array. I took the over. It's currently at 335. So you like staying with the under there? Yeah. And I think he's got to get better. And I think he, he will. I think it's gonna his ERA will probably hover right around where it is now, if if we're lucky. Um, I think he's for coming back and and 
all the doubts that we justifiably had going into the season, he's been fucking great. Yeah, I'm not going to change my opinion. Uh, I'm going to stay with the over just because I don't know what he's going to look like when he starts reaching August, September. Are the Yankees going to – obviously the Yankees are going to choke his innings. Is he going to hit a wall? You know, there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered about Luis Severino long-term. So, you know – Three three five is nice. It's it's way past my expectations for him, but I'm not going to change my opinion on the over because you know one or two bad starts can ruin that ERA, and we don't know you know what the Yankees' plans for him are other than they're not going to let him throw a full workload this year. John uh, Carlos Stanton is uh, the over under was 129 games played. We both took the over. He's currently at 66. Now, this might be a little tricky to get there. Wow, I thought he'd be higher. What do we know? What judge is at right now? I mean, judge has played almost every game. I feel like. Uh, I, yeah, just over I'm time shocked that Stanton is only. Well, he was hurt for for a little while. Yeah, he did go on the IL. I want to say that judge is probably at 75, but let's look at it. He might even have more uh, than that. 78 games. Yeah, and that's a a good chunk of those are, uh, you know, some, a good handful of those are, you know. Pinch hit. He got the, the yeah. He day. got the day off and he came off the bench. Yeah, but still, Stanton's done that quite a bit too. So, yeah, I forgot about that injury. I'm going to still stay over. I think that the Yankees will are going to try and utilize him as much as possible. Well, he's got to play 63 out of out of 82 games to get there. And I think it, it, if he stays healthy, he'll get there. Yeah, so because gonna, he did it. He he did more than that, even being on the IL. So, so I mean. Like it could be a little bit tricky, but we both took the over. I'm staying with the over. Yeah. You're you're staying there over. as well. Uh, Jamison Tyone, 132 innings pitched. We both took the over. He's at 84. So I mean, we got. I'm sticking with it. Yeah, he'll get there uh, easily, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. I mean, again, barring injury, we can say that about about all of this. But he's one of those guys that you're just you know holding your breath a little bit, hoping he stays healthy. Um. And hoping that, you know, he still has enough gas in the tank. And here's here's one. You Are you going to admit an L on this one here? Glaber Torres, the over-under was 17 home runs. You took the under. I'm so happy to be wrong. He's at 13 right now. So, I mean, this would not be good if he stays under that number. Not only am I just happy to be wrong about my overall outlook on, on Glaber Torres. And look, I, I think I'm, I'm still right in saying that he'll never be – he'll never – truly come to fruition and be the guy that he was touted to, you know, to be. But man, this guy could have easily just laid, laid it all down and given up and just fucking threw in the towel. And he didn't, he's come back. He looks like a completely different baseball player and it's nice to see, but this team also really fucking needed it. So, so definitely over. I mean, he's, he should end in the twenties for sure. So I took the over, I'm staying over, and I tweeted this the other night, and I said, one of my favorite things about this season has been Glaber Torres' return to being a competent Major League Baseball player. Not just offensively. Defensively, he's been he's been fucking phenomenal. Well, that's what happens when you play a guy at a position that he's actually good at. So, All right, we got a couple more here. Uh, IKF, the batting average was at uh, 265. He's currently at 258. We both took the under. I'm staying under because I don't like him. That's just my yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I actually don't mind IKF right now. I know that we had this discussion yesterday, but I don't think, again, this would be completely different if this team was shitting the bed right now. We'd be able to to focus in on, on the players that were just not pulling their weight. My biggest gripe with IKF will, I, I don't see how he can change this in my mind, it will be his defense. People keep saying, like on the Yankee broadcast, how great he's been defensively. He's they been fucking beyond disappointing in my opinion, does he make some great plays? Of course, but man, for a guy who we were sold to that, you know, as a as an elite defensive shortstop or a, or elite defensively wherever he plays, he has made definitely made more errors than anyone else on this team, and he's got to be at top of the list in, in errors made just in general throughout the league. Well, he's made nine, I believe. So I don't know where that I don't see been. IKF being the guy who. He just doesn't come off as a guy who goes on some, like, heater. I think he, he'll always go just from, like, somewhat competent at the plate to then have a streakiness. I, I think it'll hover around where he's at now. I'm going to take the – I'm going to stay under. So, IKF, for his career in uh, one, two, three, four – this is his fifth season. He's hit, eight, he's hit 16 home runs in his career in eight seasons. I'm, um, five seasons, I'm sorry. The most home runs he's ever hit in a year was last year with the Rangers. He uh, hit eight. So he's not a big power guy. His highest OPS uh, for his career was in this was in the COVID season. It was six ninety nine. So uh, that, that doesn't even really count. So he is what he is at the plate. And again, you know, you can be that. We the Yankees can carry that if. He was what we were promised, and that's a gold glove shortstop, and he's been far from it. That's what my problem is from him. I do like his, I do like his aggressiveness on the on the bases when he gets on there. He knows how, you know, he's always looking to steal. He knows how to run the bases, which is another added component to this team that they didn't have last year, and it's part of the reason why they're as good as they are. Uh, it's just that the guy he might as well swing a fucking pool noodle when he goes up there because he's going to make he's going to hit it as hard as he does with a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, one more player, and then we got the team total here. Nestor Cortez, uh, the ERA was uh, three nine nine. It's currently at two four four. We both took the over. I'm going. I got to change my mind. I got to take the under on that. I mean, if he's if he goes over four this year, uh, he just completely fell off the face of the earth. Now, yeah, I think uh, we're starting to see Nestor Cortez come back down to earth a little bit, and it sucks to see because I but, there's no dude I fucking love rooting for more than him. But he had he he uh, he. Really had a really good outing on Saturday night. He had gave up that one home yep. run to Reyes, I believe it was, and then he was more like the Nestor Cortez yeah. we've seen prior to this four start run than he than he has been. So uh, it, that was a nice that was nice to see for that sure. He was able to to kind of write himself and have a really good outing where you're not. Where to me personally, I wasn't saying, yeah, maybe it's happening, but you know, it, it, it still could. But because again, he's another guy. He's never thrown 100 innings at the major league level, and he's going to blow past that. So you're going to have to wait and see what that you know what that results in for him. Yeah, so I have to take the under. I think uh, I don't think there's any way he he ends up over that. Yeah, so I took the over. I'm going to change it, and I mean this is fucking. I don't even know why we're going to talk about this, but it's on the list. The Yankees had 91 and a half wins, even coming into the season where we had no great expectation for them. We took the over 
and they're at they're going to win a hundred plus games this year now. So hard. There's no. They could do it. That. They could do it on fucking autopilot. They can close their eyes and do it at this point. I so mean, if this to, team ends ends the year five hundred, what do they need to win? Forty two games out of the next eighty two. They need to win. If the Yankees go forty two and forty, forty two and forty, the rest of the way they'll win a hundred games. I mean, it really. If they only win a hundred games at this point. It's you're kind of a disappointment. Uh, you're you're going to be disappointed because you're seeing what the Red Sox are doing. You can never sleep on teams like that, or the or even the the Blue Jays and and even the Rays. I know their their whole team's hurt and they've been struggling, but I mean, you just if they only win a hundred at this point, it could be a problem for them. This team needs to continue dominating and go into the postseason as the top seed overall. That needs to happen. Uh, yeah, uh, if they only win 100, that means that uh, Houston's definitely going to catch them as the top seed. But uh, they should still be, they should still be able to win the American League East by winning 100 games. But that's just how great they've been that they can play 500 baseball uh, the second half of the year and, and win 100 games. So, um, so like we said, okay. This has been a great first half of the year. We're pretty much at the first, the official, uh, non It's not really official because they played 80 games. But for our purposes here, the the real halfway point of the season. So, again, unless the Yankees, you know, really go into some type of epic tailspin, they're going to be the top seed in the American League. It's going to be become, the rest of the season now is going to be about how do they get better to be good enough to beat the Houston Astros. So you look down the lineup that we just basically gave, there's holes in this lineup as great. The Yankees have the highest run differential in baseball. So you're saying, how could they have four or five automatic outs in their lineup? Well, they do. It's, I mean, it's there. So I was reading an article today. It's from NJ.com who spoke to an, an anonymous scout. So, you know, what the hell does that mean? It could have been the writer just making the mm-hmm. shit up mm-hmm. on his own, but, um, and this is somebody that I wanted the Yankees to get last year. They, they brought up Andrew Benintendi and what the Yankees would need to do to get Andrew Benintendi. And he said that you give up Peraza in that deal. You would also have to give up another a pitcher. So I put it out there. Would you trade J.P. Sears, which is, the, which is a comp that guy gave, and Peraza to get Benintendi? And... This tweet got hundreds of fucking quote tweets, hundreds of fucking comments, and I'm going to tell you 99% of them all are, no, 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 you're stupid, no, I'll kill you, yes. I did get a fucking death threat over that tweet, okay? Right, okay. No, 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 you're dumb, no, no, no. But when I'm reading, when I go deeper into these comments here, my what I'm looking at is a is a fan base, at least the ones on social media, that don't want to put their big boy pants on and do something that is going to hurt, but is also going to make this team better. Okay? The Yankees are going to have to make a trade at this deadline where when you hear the package they give up, you're going to feel like you got punched in the stomach. Something Cashman bit. has not been willing to do and needs to be willing to do. But at the same time, when you look at the return, you have to say to yourself, okay, 
wow, I can't believe it. They gave it that package, but this guy's going to make us better. And that's the point here with trading a guy like Peraza. Is he a top five prospect in your, in your organization? Yeah. Do you want to give him up for a rental? No. I mean, if you could get away with not doing it, of course you don't want to do it, but you have to look at a trade for Andrew Benintendi like this. It's not only adding Andrew Benintendi to this team, it's getting Joey Gallo off of this team. And that right there is worth trading Peraza. Okay? Well, in my opinion, it is. I think you have to look at it in a few different ways. The first way is this team is dominant as they've been this year. If they don't win a World Series, first of all, and, and I hate doing this. I hate saying at least give me a pennant, but no, I, I got to say, if they don't win a World Series this year, it is going to feel 10 times worse than any other year that we can remember. Okay, I promise you that. They have to get past Houston. And if, it just has to happen this year. And if this year isn't the year to do it with as great as they've been, when are they ever going to? When are they going to? You, you, if this will be so demoralizing if this team falls down and just fucking lays down and goes to sleep in the postseason. It will be so deflating, demoralizing. We will never, it will be years before we, we look past it. And so that's one aspect of this. The other aspect is you ask yourself a simple question. Is Jose Peraza helping us win a World Series in 2022? Oswald Peraza. Is it, it's not, sorry, yeah, yeah Oswald Peraza. Sorry. Is Oswald there Peraza. Is Jose Peraza there, no. It, it, yeah, there might be. But Oswald Peraza, is he, is he helping us win a World Series in 2022? This year, uh, I mean, he could. He could potentially do that. So then, so then if you're not going to give him up, I need that to happen at the very least. I need you not giving him up because he's a guy who's going to help me in 2022. Now, is Andrew Benintendi definitely going to help? Or at least yes. the, the premise of it? The premise of that deal? And yes. that's all you have to ask yourself. I'm not looking down the road anymore. The road ends here. The road ends in 2022 if they don't win a World Series. It ends. It's done. Because I'm telling you right now, you guys think you have this... People have this vision in their head of Peraza and and Volpe and all these guys. And it's like, hey, who are you surrounding them with? Who? And how is it how is it going to be any better than now? All you're going to do is put yourself in a position where five, six years from now, we're saying the same shit about other guys in the minor leagues. And we're saying, no, we can't because in three more years, that's going to be the year. No, I'm done with that, dude. We are too close right now to having a complete team. We are too close. We can taste it now. When's the last time we've been halfway through a season and said this fucking team has everything in the makings for a, for an epic ma like fucking epic major run in the postseason by adding a couple pieces here? I don't even know if you felt that way in 2009 because it was they took them a you didn't. while. I even even to, into August, maybe that series against Boston where they ended John Smoltz's career is when you finally felt like they this was a team that could win a World Series. So a absolutely. So so when you're this close, it becomes tangible now. Everything that everything that we're experiencing, every time we we tweet out, 
that this team won another game, that this team's blowing our minds, guess what? It means absolutely nothing if they don't win at all. So I can't let this go to waste. I cannot think about the future anymore. When I think of the road they're on, it literally doesn't exist if they don't win a World Series anymore. If they don't win a World Series this year, it doesn't exist anymore to me. It doesn't go any further. So that means that if you're not contributing right now to building this road that they're on, you are literally worthless to me. I don't care about the future. I care about right now. And if they win it, you won't even you won't even know who the fuck Oswald Peraza is anymore. You won't care. You won't care. If he gets traded for Benintendi and Benintendi slaps one through the fucking hole to score two runs in game six, then that's the that's a deciding factor in a game against Houston. You you're, you're literally and that gets the Yankees into the World Series. It doesn't matter if Peraza becomes you know fucking Derek Jeter or name. It, it, it's not going to matter because. This is about winning the World Series this season, okay? And fans are like, well, I'll give up this. No, you guys got to understand something right now. The Yankees are going to have to get hurt in a trade this Absolutely going to have to happen. They have to get hurt in a trade. Now, everybody, all 29 other GMs are looking at this, at this Yankee club right now and saying, they're 58 and 22, and they have a fucking dead spot in a third of their lineup, if not more. Why am I going to gift them an all-star player? Why am I going to gift them not having to play Joey Gallo anymore? No, I'm going to ask for the fucking sun and the moon and the stars because I know if they fail, this is going to be an epic disaster. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to cash my chips in for what they got. And people are like, oh, I'd rather have Hap. Yeah, in a perfect world, would I rather have Ian Hap because he's got another year of control? Yeah, but if you think that it's going to cost you Peraza for a fucking rental, what do you think the Cubs are going to want for a guy that's got another year of control? You're going to have to make a hard decision at this trade deadline. And, and the one thing that cannot happen is Brian Cashman sit there and say, well, that's too rich for my blood. Because there should be nothing that comes across his desk where he says, I can't pull the trigger on that. He has to get the job done this year. You got to remember for on his side too, he doesn't have a contract for next year. Who And again, we can get into it. I don't want to, but you can, you can discuss it about whether Howell would actually let him walk out the door and bring a new general manager in. But it has to be something that Brian Cashman has to think about where if he doesn't get the job done, he could be out of a fucking job next year. Yeah, look, if if Brian Cashman wants to completely redeem everything that we've ripped him for, it it it's either one of two ways for me. It's this team wins it all this year, which is the obvious, or it's at the very least showing me that you're going to have a short enough vision of what needs to happen now to make the move that kind of hits your ego a little bit, that hurts a little bit, to do what's right now. Because there's a time and place to think long-term. And that time and that place has gone, in, gone a long time ago. Okay, it's not time for long-term thinking anymore. It's time for right fucking now. Because again, that World Series championship is tangible now. Nothing else matters. I'm telling you, it's so difficult 
we know better than anyone. We watch them. It, look, we we have this perspective where it's so easy because we were spoiled in the '90s with the, with great teams. We've seen now how difficult it is. This is it. We can't let this opportunity go to waste. This is right here, right now. You do whatever it takes to fill in that piece that's going to at least put you in the best position. That when that if you lose, you don't look back and say, "What could I have done better?" Right. As that a general the, manager, you have right. to fucking look at it and say, I did all I could. And 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 then maybe you can blame it on the players not not showing up in the postseason. But unless he does that, I'm putting all of this on Brian Cashman and Hal Better also. If Joey Gallo is starting a postseason game for the New York Yankees this year, that's an epic failure on Brian Cashman's part. Beyond. It's beyond a failure. It's it's this is, it's such incompetence that you shouldn't even come close to having a general manager position. And this is another thing I'm reading in the comments. We'll give them Joey Gallo. Why the fuck would Kansas City want Joey Gallo? This is my problem with – and look, I don't want to rant on the fan base, but this is my problem with, with fans when they want to – because then they want to come at you and be fucking smart asses to you because you guys got to understand something. They have a chip here to play. They're, they're a bad team. They're looking for the future. They're looking to build with young guys – Cheap young players that they can control for five or six years. How does Joey Gallo fit that bill? Why? Because you don't want him, so Kansas City's going to take him. You know, you guys live in a fucking MLB the show. The world is not how that. That's not how actual Major League Baseball operates. If somebody's going to take Joey Gallo off the Yankees' hands, it's going to be because the Yankees attached a prospect to him and traded him, so they took his fucking salary or. The Yankees are going to designate him for assignment. Those are pretty much the only two ways that the Yankees are going to get rid of Joey Gallo, or they're going to take on an, an equally bad player with a higher contract to get him out of here, which you don't want the Yankees to do either. There's no situation where the Yankees, and honestly, if I'm wrong about this, I'll come on the fucking show and say I'm wrong about it, but there's no situation in which Brian Cashman flips Joey Gallo for anything of fucking value. Do you remember the game during the week, or was it this week or two weeks ago when the Yankees were fucking chewing up gum and trying to hit the drain cover? They couldn't even fucking get that chewed up gum back in a trade for Joey Gallo. Agreed. And you guys think you're going to get Andrew Benintendi for Joey Gallo. And I'm not making Andrew Benintendi out here to be fucking Barry Bonds, okay? I know what he is. He's a guy that's going to hit for average. He's a line drive hitter, and he's going to play the fucking outfield. But guess what? He's not going to hit 168. I can almost guarantee you that. And this guy is a championship caliber player on those fucking Red Sox teams. You know he's not going to be fucking scared to play in the Bronx. Now, and, and, you know, you talked about what the Yankees have to do to, to be able to beat the Astros. To me, it's simple. To me, they kind of, they kind of exposed themselves. And, and it, was, it was eye-opening, and it should have been for Brian Cashman after the last series. And I guess you can make this argument for every year they've lost to the Astros. The Yankees need to fill these holes, not with guys who necessarily hit bombs, Whatever I need for the first time, I'm I'm going to be on the side of the people who, who have argued until they're blue in the face for the last however many years that they can't have guys striking out so much. Okay, I need to fill at least two two of these holes with guys who know how to put the ball in play. Guys like DJ LeMay, was when he was tearing the the fucking cover off the ball and hitting three twenty something, whatever. 
I need to fill this lineup with guys who do not strike out. I need to fill it with guys who are going to make shit happen because there's one thing you can look at in these series versus the Astros. The offense goes, and this goes back to 2017, the offense disappears. The offense goes bye-bye completely, and it's, and it's so fucking unbearable sometimes. The Yankees can't go into the postseason with a lineup of guys, of too many guys who cannot put the ball in play. You don't even have to be a great hitter. Just put the ball in play. Make something happen. The Yankees don't have enough guys, especially when Judge, like we said, he was slumping. Yeah, we got lucky he got a hold of a couple because he's that good. But if he didn't, they would have gotten swept in four games. And that's why I would live with IKF playing shortstop if they filled one of these holes like uh, Gallo because he's not a guy that's going to strike out. He's going to put the ball in play, and he's a little speedy guy where he can make something happen out there. So that's I would be okay with that. But you have to get – look, you, you know this as well as anybody. For me to want Joey Gallo as my number one enemy off this team – over Aaron Hicks just shows how fucking terrible this guy is. This guy yeah. will cost us in the fucking postseason if he's taking four at bats every night. He just will. He cannot hit medi- he cannot hit mediocre pitching. What's he gonna do when he's got to fucking face Justin Verlander? Okay, it's going to be a fucking shit show. All right, and that's another thing. I key- I was reading in the comments today. Well, they're thirty six games over five hundred. Why do we have to do anything? Guys, did you watch the series? Did you watch the five games against Houston? Did you watch them? Because I'm going to tell you who did watch them. I did. And other MLB executives watched them because they know the Yankees need to improve their offense to beat the Astros. So you're not going to call up the Cubs or the or the Royals or, or, or this is not a pie-in-the-sky thing or get Brian Reynolds from Pittsburgh. You're not going to call up these GMs and be like, oh, well, here's Miguel Andujar and Florio and I, I found this pitcher that I don't even know his name, but somebody told me he's good. So you guys take him, and I'll take, I'll take what I want. It's not going to happen. The overriding theme of this segment of the show is the Yankees are going to have to pain, feel pain for a trade they're going to make. And Brian Cashman cannot sit back and, and do that bullshit that some of these fans are saying, well, we're fucking 36 games over 500. What do I need to do? You need to get better because right now you're not as good as the Astros. I don't care what the records say. And this is not be, me being negative or this is, again, this is not the stick that we're going to do. I watched the past five games. What I see is a Yankee team that is not, maybe you want to say they're on the level with the Astros, and that's fine. You can say that because the Astros didn't tear the cover off the ball of the Yankees of the Yankees pitching. They didn't. There was a lot of close games. But the Yankees don't have the offense that you could say that there's a superior team to the Houston Astros, and that is what the rest of this season is about, becoming the superior team to the Houston Astros. Because if the, if the trade deadline crosses and you did not do anything to make yourselves – close that gap, however fucking small you think it is to the Houston Astros, then Brian Cashman didn't do his job. And when they don't win the ALCS, he should not be brought back to become to, as a general manager of this. Couldn't agree club. more. Rasan Thompson, thanks for the uh, super chat, pal. Awesome meeting you as well. Uh, I actually, I wasn't sure if you were definitely coming. I don't know if anyone confirmed that with me, but it was awesome meeting you at the event. He said, uh, Yankees have a ton of prospects to trade for any player. This team is too close for them not to push. 
all their chips in the middle of the table. No excuses. Make the obvious move. Ben and Tendi couldn't agree more. Let me say this too. In our lifetime, at least for me, I think, I think, and I might be forgetting a couple. What would you say was one of the most blockbuster trades you almost couldn't believe it happened? Not regarding the Yankees, just in general. Of our of our of our lifetime. I mean, uh, without I, I really would have to think about it, but one the immediate one that comes off to my head is the, the A Rod trade, right? Okay, I mean that's that's you a, say in our lifetime. I mean, the guy was a, a multiple time MVP, getting traded with that contract. John Carlos Stan, I know it was, it was maybe a different thing, but another uh, another MVP off an MVP season. Whenever an MVP a guy gets traded off an MVP season, that's you know that's a shocking trade. That's one of them, and I was actually going to follow up my point with this. But for me, it's the it's the Chris Sale trade. That's another one. I mean, he's a, I mean, he was the cream in the crop when he got traded. Think about what the Red Sox gave up. You want to talk about Peraza? They gave up like every player that they gave up was better than him in their in their in their fucking minor leagues. That's at that a point. little bit different. I mean, this is, this was an ace of the aces at the time and they had control over. Him. Okay. But that's so. fine. That's fine because it still leads me to, to the, to the end game here. My point in bringing that up is to ask you, do the Red Sox, do you think the Red Sox or their fans regret making that trade? Uh, did they win a world series with Chris sales? Yes. No. Do you think that even if Chris sale was a rental, at the time, maybe he wasn't the greatest, but he still helped them win a World Series. Would they regret it? No, because they won ask, a World Series. Ask the ask the Cub fan this, and after Glaber's thirty nine home run season, and they traded him for a role as Chapman, you think any Cub fan would have went back and said, "Wow, I wish we never made that deal." No. What did a role as Chapman help? Even if a role as Chapman was still on the Cubs, throwing the way he is now, they still wouldn't regret it. They needed him to win the World Series, and he did help them. Correct. Now it leads me to what you brought up in A-Rod. You can't sit here and tell me that the A-Rod trade contract, whatever, all of it, wouldn't have been one of the most disastrous times in, in recent history for the New York Yankees. Everything about it, the, the bullshit between him and Jeter, the steroids, the allegations, the fucking not coming through in the postseason, the money, the back end of his contract where they pretty much forced him to to retire. All of it would have been a disaster, but why wasn't it, Christian? Why? Uh, he he won them a World Series in 2009. And now we look back and say, A-Rod was a fucking Yankee and helped this team win a World Series, and that's all we care about. So don't sit here and tell me that I'm not going to give up Oswald Peraza for a chance to win a World Series in 2022 with what I remember in my memory is the most dominant Yankee team I've ever seen in a regular season. Don't tell me that that's not worth it if they win it all. If they don't, we can look back and say, okay, let's, let's critique it. But man, you're way too fucking close to not take that risk. So you got it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm, I can't agree more. Like this is a, this is a, an opportunity and that the Yankees have here 
to solidify a team to be the best possible team they can be to try to win a World Series. If they get Ben Attendee and lose, okay, at least I can go to bed at when if they get eliminated and I go to bed that night, I said, you know, the Yankees realized they couldn't go through this postseason with Joey Gallo, and they didn't. So at least I could I could take comfort in the fact that they 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 recognized it. They did not sit back and say we're good enough to win because they have to be smart enough to know that they're not good enough to win right now. As great as they are, there are 29 other there's 28 teams in the major league that they could beat right now. But the problem is that they're not good enough to beat the one team they need to beat. And that's what this is all about. It's beating the fucking Astros in the ALCS. That's what this is all about. And yes, that's why I would over... If you want to say Peraza is an overpay for for Benintendi, you might be right. But you have to do it. This If you're not going to do it this year, what year are you going to do it? Yeah, look. I, you know, I just thought about this. Brian Cashman's job is not to win a World Series. Because he's not on that field. Brian Cashman's job is not to win a World Series. Brian Cashman's job is to show us and to show those players on the field that he's willing to do whatever it takes for them to have the best possible chance at winning a World Series. That's his job. So at the end of the day, that's why I still criticize him for this offseason. Because in my mind, yes, this team is great. But there's no way he's sitting there. There's no way you can tell me that he's sitting there passing up on guys like Correa and passing up on, you know, taking on Donaldson's contract and sitting there saying, trust me, guys, this is it. No, you have to prove to me that you're willing to get hurt here, whether it be in, in your wallet or whether it be with prospects in the future. You're willing to do it. You're willing to take that pain to win a World Series now because if you don't, if you are trotting Joey Gallo out there, even if they win a World Series, you've still proven one thing to me. And it's that you, they did it in spite of you. They didn't do it because of you. I don't think they, I'm telling you right now, if Joey Gallo takes one at bat for the Yankees in the postseason this year, I don't think they win it. I don't, I, in the postseason this I, year, I don't think they win a World Series. I can't disagree with you. I, I, I really how, can't. I mean, that's just how bad he is. They need to cover that hole and, you know, you guys can tell me 10 other guys that you think are better than Ben attending. That's fine. And they're all going to cost you. I just laid it out. The rival executives that are that are getting phone calls from Brian Cashman knows he has to pull the fucking trigger on something. They know how bad Joey Gallo is. They, he, they know that the Yankees can't take this guy into October. And they're going to ask for whatever they want to ask. Yep. You don't want to give up Dominguez. You don't want to give up Volpe. If those are your two untouchables, fine. Tell me they're your two untouchables, but then you have to be willing to trade everybody and anybody Everyone. else. Couldn't agree more. All right. So thank you for everybody that uh, joined us here in the live chat on July 4th. Uh, we thank you very much. Okay. So thank you. Okay, for that. Okay, thank you. Hopefully, uh, hopefully when we join you, when you join us next week, you'll still have all your limbs intact. You know, you won't pull a JPP. Here. Okay. Uh, so we'll just do a quick look ahead here. The Yankees will be in two for Pittsburgh. I didn't even realize they were playing the fucking Pirates this year, and then I heard it on on the should radio. Should a trip day. there, dude. PNC is the best stadium. Yeah, uh, you said you've been out to Cleveland, right? You said you don't really like it that it's much. It's not that I didn't. It just was very bland. Very bland. 
but I would like to get out there. It's only six hours from my house, and you know, our our relationship with Munch, I think, it would be nice. Absolutely, to take a trip I would out go. Oh uh, my so god! Sound like a fucking that? bomb went off. It could be. I've, wow! I've been to your, I've oh, been my, to your town. They don't. My they don't family's hurt. okay. Okay. Hello. Okay. I don't know. Well, I gotta. I'm just scrolling through texts from your uh, wife here, and uh, your your oldest daughter is holding like a giant fucking fire stick. Yeah. Like taller Danger. than her. Dangerous. Um, what was I going to say here? Okay, the Yanks are in Pittsburgh for two. Okay. Okay. Uh, Tyone uh, is on the mound uh, tomorrow, and then uh, Sevy's going to take the ball on Wednesday. And the Pirates, uh, you know, they got some good young players. O'Neill Cruz, you know, Brian Reynolds is a guy that Yankee fans want them to, you know, literally offer chew gum for. But you know, Brian Hayes is there or no? He's a Padres. Uh, keep Brian. No, keep Brian Hayes is a pirate. He's a pirate, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then the Yankees will be uh, in Boston for four. Uh, it'll be uh, luckily sun, uh, Sunday is a is a day game, but you're going to get Fox uh, Saturday night baseball. No, I'm I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong thing. The Yankees are playing Boston on consecutive weekends, um, so it's all seven o'clock starts against Boston. It'll be Thursday seven ten, Friday seven ten, uh, Saturday seven fifteen on Fox and seven oh eight. On uh, on ESPN for Sunday Night Baseball, uh, and then we'll we'll be back. Yankees live. haven't had many Sunday Night Baseball games. Thank God. Thank God. And then we'll be back live next week uh, on the eleventh. Will be our next show because the Yankees will have another day off, and then for the final stretch here before the All Star break. So we'll get into that. But we'll be back live next week on NYY News TV for the Monday off day. So Chris, if uh, I don't know, dude, you wanna you wanna say anything? You got anything? No, man. I don't I don't know how we do this. It's been <laughs> I feel like everything's been fucked up. Recently. No man, listen, thanks, thank you to everyone for uh, tuning in and for the uh, and for uh, you know engaging in the chat. We appreciate it. And uh, again, thanks to everyone who came out on the show. Please leave us a five star rating review and head over to patreon.com slash myyst. Christian's been throwing out some uh, some pretty awesome shows midweek. Yeah, so. I didn't get there last week. I uh, might make it up and do two two this week. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But, okay. uh, yeah, please, uh, patreon.com slash NYYST. Uh, thank you very much for your continued support of NYYST and NYY News TV. Oh, hi. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for listening and watching to episode 289. Chris, say goodbye. Hey. N-Y-Y-S-T This is New York Yankee Sports Talk Swinging for the fences Knock it out the park This is New York Yankee Sports Talk Christian and Chris Of course SGR This is New York Yankee Sports Talk Call me New York Yankee Sports Talk Record rain and shine Grab your shades and umbrellas N-Y-Y-S-T You're hanging with the fellas